0: Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's Message Podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning. Welcome here. You guys, we're glad to be here. It's good, eh? It's good to worship together. It's good to sing together. Good to see faces. Welcome here. How many of you are feeling a little bit stretched thin after the last little season? Oh, that's not a whole lot of you. (laughs) Maybe there's more online who are feeling that online presence. Welcome here as well. Anyway, so my question is, for those of you who are feeling a little bit stretched, or have felt a little bit stretched in the last while, Uh, Why do you come to church? Not a bold question. I know it's kind of like in your face question. I'm I'm aware of that. You're welcome here, so don't don't take it the wrong way. But why do we come to church? We expect God to show up, right? We come. We come because we, we expect God to show up. We don't know when. We don't know how. But we come because he says, Come. And we expect Him to show up. We want to experience Him. We want to worship Him. We want to see people. We want to experience Him. This psalm that we're focusing on this weekend is Psalm 44, and it's actually my my testimony, really, of, of God showing up and that whole story of what happens in the process or how do we set up ourselves so that God can show up. This is my testimony I'm sharing with you today. It's found in Psalm 44. But before we go there... Let's pray, okay? Yeah. Father, we come to you and uh, like we just sang, you're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah, Yahweh. It's you, God. We turn to you, we look to you, and Father, we invite your presence, we invite your leadership and your guidance here this morning, online, Or physical we invite you to be our God to be our guide and we turn to you and look to you in Jesus name Amen Psalm 44 is a Psalm that was written for the entire nation of Israel they were going through some stuff but uh, as I was preparing and thinking about what should I speak on this this weekend I was looking through the psalms because it's summer in the psalms so i was looking through the psalms and reading several of them and i came across psalm 44 and it was like it was just it hit me this is exactly my story and so it like i said you're going to be hearing part of my testimony this morning based out of psalm 44. it starts off with we have heard with our ears O god our ancestors ancestors have told us what you did in their days and days long ago with your hand, you drove out the nations and planted our ancestors. You crushed the peoples and made our ancestors flourish. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them." So this author is taking a look at the past, saying, I look at the past. God, it was you. It was you who did it. Then he takes a bold stance. Part two of the psalm says, In light of the past, I now choose. You are my king. You are my God. You're the one who decrees victories for Jacob. Through you, we push back. Verse six. Verse six. I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not give us victory. But you give us victory. You put our adversaries to shame. In God, that's you, we make our boast all day long. And then you have that word selah at the end there. That's kind of like saying, well, that's a mouthful. I'm just going to sit here and let that soak in what I just said. I've got the past. Now I sit here and I just let it soak in, what did I just commit to? Just sit. And then the next part is just, ah. Look at this. That's part three. But now, this is you is God. But now you, God, have rejected us and humbled us. You no longer go out with us. You made us retreat, and our adversaries have plundered us. You gave us up to be devoured, and you have scattered us. You sold your people for a pittance. You made us a reproach to our neighbors, the scorn and derision of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations. The people shake their heads at us. I live in disgrace all day long, and my face is covered with shame because of the enemy. So you have this author that's saying I've got my past, I make a stand and then now just turns a complete turn around and says it's actually you, God who's causing my issues right now. And it actually gets worse than this The uh, more bolder. Uh, the fourth part is all this came upon us, though we had not forgotten you, we had not been false to your covenant, our hearts had not turned back, our feet had not strayed from the path, but you crushed us and brought and made us a haunt for jackals. You covered us with your or covered us over with deep darkness. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, Would not God have discovered it? Of course, he knows the secrets of the hearts. Yet for your sake, or in other words, it's because of you that we're a joke. So you have the psalmist that says, I've got my history of God showing up. I choose to make a stand, and now I've got problems galore and they're actually because of you god the one the very one that i committed to is because of you and the last part of the psalm says awake lord why do you sleep rouse yourself get out of bed do something why are you hiding rise up and help us rescue us because of your unfailing love and the psalm ends there. It's like, okay. So when I read this psalm, it's like, so, God, what in the world? We, you, you were faithful? We see that in our past? I made a commitment to you? And now everything is going wrong in the present? And the psalm just ends there. Like. I like Cinderella stories, you know? Cinderella movies, you've all watched them, I'm assuming, even the men among you. Uh, You've you've watched them, like, everything's a little bit tough, and then it gets tougher, and then all of a sudden, la, 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 and all is, woo, right? Or Beauty and the Beast, same storyline. Oh, yay. That's that's the movie line, the story plot, in in two seconds. I like those stories, and I like the God who works like that. I like the God who goes to, lets us go through some pressure, but then shows up and rescues us. That's the God I like. I don't like the psalm that says, I've seen your faithfulness in the past, I choose you now, and then leaves me hanging, crying, and it doesn't end any other way than crying. I don't like that. But I felt like God was saying to me, John, what do you do under pressure? What do you do under pressure? Where do you turn to? How much can you fidget? Squirm. This is, this is my testimony, by the way, like, I'm, like I said. Th- I felt like God was asking me that, John, how much pressure can you stand? What do you do under pressure? You see, I've got my history. I have my history where I have times and moments where... God showed up in my life, and I know without a doubt, that was God. One of them, as a teenager, as a young teenager in Belize, that's where I grew up, full moon, walking down the street, no mosquitoes. I I just took a walk because I wanted to spend some time meditating and praying. I'm walking down the street, I turn to the field that's beside the street, I look into the field, there's a tree standing, and I was was shocked, if that's the right word, by the majesty of a tree. Here you have a thing that's growing out of the ground, somehow it defies gravity by taking water that's in the ground and... Somehow the water flows all the way to the tip. How does a tree do that? How does a tree make water flow from the ground to the top? Like there's nobody at the top. There's nobody there. But the water flows up. How does that work? What, what makes a tree alive? When you have a living tree and a dead tree, what's the difference? I know we, can, we say one is alive, one is dead, but what's the difference? And this doesn't sound, maybe not sound like a whole lot to you, but for me, that shook me. Because now all of a sudden, God showed up and revealed Himself through a tree, and I was left speechless. It's 35 years later, and I still clearly, vividly remember that time. God met me and he did something inside of me and it it just gave me an awe for him that I I can't explain it. By the way, I did not go and hug the tree afterwards. (laughs) God showed up. I have another story like that. I'm the guy who in a month, in mid-May to early June of 1996, I was in Belize, I was working there, and my sister said to me, John, I think you're a teacher. You want to set up a school with me? And I laughed at her, politely, you know, like siblings do to each other. <laughs> La- laughed at her, and I said, Mary, I will never teach anybody, anything, anywhere, anytime. I'm not a teacher, in case you're wondering, Mary. I went back to work, and within a couple of days, my boss, who was the school board chair, said, John, you're a teacher. We need a teacher. I repeated the story to him. Five times. I was in Belize I was going to come here. This was, like I say, mid-May 1996. I drove up, driving through Mexico. I had a cousin working in Mexico at the time. I figured, you know, I might as well uh, go and visit my cousin, at least say hi. So I went to see my cousin, and my cousin says, John, you're a teacher. You want to teach? And I had a story to say. (laughs) Repeated my story. Then I came here to Manitoba. Two friends approached me and says, John, we think you're a teacher. You want to teach? And I repeated my story. Five people, five times. Guess what I did though? I went to that school, picked up an application, I filled it out, I returned it. The board looked at the application, they contacted me, says, John, we looked at your application, we would like to interview you. I went for an interview. After the interview, a day later, I believe it was one day later, they said, John, we looked at your interview. We want to offer you a job. Would you consider this job? And I said, I said yes. This all happened in one month. And I was serious when I said, I will never teach anybody anything anywhere in time. For me, the teaching was just, that was not an option. How do you explain that? I, to this day, cannot explain that, except that was one of those times in my past where God says, John, you think you're going on this track? Right now you're going on this track. I can't explain it otherwise. Because I had no intentions of teaching, ever. So I've got my past. I've got the times in my life where I've made a stand. I've got those times where I sit down, I take out my journal and I say, God, in light of my past, and I can list a bunch of them places where I know God showed up, I know God worked. I can list those and I can look at my past and I can see my, in my journal where I wrote down, God, I choose to be your son, I choose to be your slave. You are my God, I choose that. I date it, and this is what I'm writing to you, God. I choose. I have that. I've got my past. I've got the commitment. And does it ever happen to you when you then choose, then everything just goes ah? How many of you ever go through that? Yeah? Why is that? Why is it that when we can, we can look at the past, we can look at our commitment, and then everything just seems to, oh, this didn't work out, and that didn't work out, and that's going sour, and everything is just falling apart. And that's what I felt Psalm 44 was asking me. It's right in the middle. This is where the psalm ends. What do I do under pressure? I think there's several reasons why that happens. First one is to reveal a bigger God. I look at my life. Why do these things happen? They reveal a bigger God. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, if we could take everything we know about anything and everything that we as humans know, if we could take everything and put it into a ball, God works outside of that ball endlessly. Everything we know and everything we can touch can be packaged up in one ball. God has no limits outside of that ball. I don't get that. He also comes in and moves inside that ball. And my past is a testimony of that. Of God meeting humanity. But... God is not limited to this ball. God is not bound by my thoughts as far as I can think, nor by as far as I can understand or see. God is not limited to that. I think we go, sometimes go through stuff because he wants to reveal that he is bigger. Whatever it is that we're facing, he is bigger. Limitlessly bigger. Bigger. Secondly, I think he wants to reveal himself as a warrior God. God is a warrior. He's not a timid, little shy, sweet little Jesus anymore. He is sweet. But he is a ferocious warrior. Revelations talks about that a little bit. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me, was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. The armies of heaven were following him. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. It's as if God is saying, I've got a ton of crowns on my head. It's because I've won every battle there is to win. I've got every crown there is to have. I've got it. And then he invites the, his whole army of heaven. The whole army of heaven to come to a war. And it's if, uh, according to this verse, it's, as a, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, By the way, army, I'm just inviting you to come and watch. I'm not asking you to come and fight. I'm just coming, inviting you to come and watch what I alone will do. Because it's the sword out of his mouth. By his word, he speaks. And the world, this world that we stand on, just appeared. By the same word, by the same mouth, he's going to speak and this world will disappear. And there are many times in the scripture where God says, I want to be your warrior. I want to fight for you. I want to pick up your battle and I want to carry it for you. And I think God wants to reveal himself as a warrior who is very, very capable. A capable warrior. My choice of weapons shows how big I think God is. See, we all go through stuff. We all have times where, where it's tense. Whether it's marriage, or whether it's finances, or relationships, or raising kids, or dealing with parents, or whatever it is. Whatever it is. We all have times where we go through battles. The weapon I pick up to fight that battle shows what kind of a trust I have in God, what kind of a God I have, shows what kind of a warrior God I have. So if I pick up the battle, or if, for, for my battle, if I pick up the weapon of skill, I'm just going to learn more, I'm going to practice more, I'm going to be more fluid, more efficient. It shows how much trust I have in God. If I pick up the battle or the weapon of money and say, with money I'm going to be able to get my way, it shows how much trust I have in God. It shows the capability of my God, what I think God is capable of. If I pick up the weapon of social media or strategy, personal influence. Or there's tons of others, right? The weapon I choose to fight my battles with shows how much I trust my God to be able to fight my battles. I'm not saying that any of these things, by the way, are wrong. I'm not saying that money is wrong, or I'm not saying skills are wrong. As a matter of fact, we should be the best that we can. I'm just saying that the weapon is not the warrior. Jesus is the warrior. God is the warrior. And he'll give me the strength to wield my sword, whether it is social media or money or influence or whatever it is. He is the one who gives it to me. But it is he, not the weapon. Thirdly, I think these things happen to us to to test us and to purify us. James talks about this. Trials test our faith. Testing can also help remove idols. An idol is anything that we turn to and we expect it to do something for us that only God can do. That's an idol. So if you expect that those contacts that you have and those those persuasive language that you have, if you expect that to win the battles for you, that is an idol. And God doesn't like idols. And I think God wants to take them out of our lives. Again, I'm not saying He doesn't want us to have contacts or to have skill. But if if our skill, if our contacts, if that's our weapon, we've got some purifying that needs to happen. Hebrews talks about this as well endure hardship as discipline, any hardship. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sins. Why? God disciplines us for our good. That we may share in his holiness. Anything that distracts us, he wants to remove that. Point number four, I don't like this one very much, but it's unknown. Why do we go through this stuff? (laughs) Sometimes we just don't know. And we won't know. And this is the part that, the, that I didn't like about the Psalm 44. <laughs> and like I said, I like the Cinderella stories that have the happy endings. I like the parts where, where God breaks through. And I've seen it in my past. But I believe we have to have point four; otherwise we have a packaged God. And God cannot be packaged. He is bigger. He's more than that. Point number five, to cause holy discontent. And this is a good thing. So if I think that my work, if I work harder, if I just work harder, if I think that that will get me through, and I work and work and work and I burn out, all of a sudden I see that work, 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 work is not able to meet what I need. And it causes me to put work in its proper perspective. We're commanded by Scripture to work, to work hard. But work no longer is my Savior. Work becomes a tool for the Savior. So if all of a sudden I have discontent with work or with skills or with whatever it is that I had. I believe we go through stuff to cause discontent to show that these, these strategies that we've had won't cut it. Then, the next point is point number six, it causes us to shift our focus onto something else. If this thing doesn't cut it anymore, well what does? We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter he's not really the he's not only the guy who starts it he's also the guy who perfects it he finishes it making it complete and whole that's what this also causes us to number seven there it causes us to grow our faith faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God I've got my stories where I heard God where I experienced God it's because of some of these stories that I'm recollecting still 35 years later, with I can see it. It's because of this that it affects my present journey. It affects my faith in God. I've seen it. And that's the last part of it is uh, point number eight. It gives us a story. It gives us a story. I like 1 John 1.1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked at, our hands touched it. This is what I'm telling you. The author is saying, I saw God move. I heard him speak. I touched it. I experienced God moving. And I'm telling you what my story is. It's my story of God, the supernatural, coming into this ball of humanity and saying, I'm going to move in where the supernatural meets the natural. That's what this is all about. It gives us a story. And this is a story that I'm sharing you. Like like what I'm telling you right now, this happened in the, this is, I'm still in the middle of this. I'm asking myself now, John, how much pressure can I stand? And what is God trying to do in my life? Why am I going through this? And I think these are, well, these are some of the points that I know that he wants to do in my life. Is there other stuff? I'm, I expect there to be other stuff because I expect him to move beyond what I can think. I expect that. But I was still left at the end of the psalm. Like I said, I don't like the end of the psalm. I was still left at the end of the psalm. Uh, What now, God? And it was as if God was saying, John, this is exactly it. You have a psalm here. Look at the past. Choose. Look at the past. Take a piece of paper and write down where have you seen God move in your life? Write it down then take a piece of paper and write down your commitment. Yeah, I know I made a commitment when I was maybe 10 years old, 11 years old, something like that. I accepted Jesus as my Savior. But today, take a piece of paper, write down, you are my God. Signed, John Friesen, dated August eighth, 2021. God, you are my God. I choose you and nobody else. And then he's saying, once you've seen your past, you make your commitment, and then in this mess that you're in, then you say, in that mess, God, I choose to sit here till you come through. I don't know when that will be, I don't know how hard it will get, I don't know what will happen, but I choose not to turn away from you, my God. I choose to sit here not knowing when it will end. I choose to stay. I choose to worship you. Doesn't matter what happens, I choose to stay in your presence. Doesn't matter how much the heat has turned up. Doesn't matter how much I squirm. I choose to stay in this presence, in this place, till you bring me victory. Not my skill, not my tactics, not my power, not my influence. You alone, God. You alone. Because he wants to take this thing that is today, and tomorrow, he wants to make what is today one of those flagpoles where we say, God showed up. But if we run from today... We're taking this opportunity away for God to do the impossible. And as God was saying to me, John, this is an invitation from me to you. Do you want to see me move again? Do you want to see the supernatural change the natural? Stay in this place and spit. Stay in this place and wait. wait. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. And like the Psalm says, very raw language, very You'd almost feel like it's harsh language. Bring it all. Doesn't matter what you're going through. John, I want you to bring it all. Hold nothing back. Pour out your whole heart, all your emotions, all your feelings, all your thoughts. Pour them out to me, but bring them to me and then watch what I will do in my time. My time. So I'm, this is my testimony, and I'm throwing that out to you. I don't know where you're at, but I believe God is inviting you too. This is Psalm 44. God is inviting you too. In this moment where you're stretched thin and you don't know what to do, give it to God, all of it, the rawness of it, the realness of it, all, just pour it out to him and then choose to wait on him to pick up your battle. Let's pray. Father, these battles that we face, they're way bigger than what we can manage. They're bigger than what we can finagle our way through. Or strategize our way through. But they're not bigger than you. That's why you are called supernatural. That's why you're called all powerful. That's why you're called all wise. That's why you're called limitless because you have no limits. So we turn to you, Father. We turn to you, and in this fidgeting and in this pain and this crucible that we're in, we turn to you and say, we cry out in pain, but we turn to you and we say, we look to you Because you are my God. I've seen what you've done in the past. I choose, and I choose in this pain, I choose you will be my God. You will be my king. My bow and my sword will not bring me victory. It'll be you. Your timing, your way, your scale. But it'll be you. So I asked, Father for the grace. I ask, Father, for your grace to stand up and in the midst of our field, wherever that is, in the midst of our field, to say, I choose you, and I look to you, and I worship you as the way maker. Lord of all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.